So now we're going to be coming to our uh, scripture reading, our Father's Word. I'm glad you're already standing. What I've done is I've taken um, uh, some of the verses about friendship. In the book of Proverbs, I put them together so that we can look at them. So as we listen, we'll begin with Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 24. This is the word of our Father. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And chapter 27, verses 9 and 10. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. You may take your seat. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about what I think is one of the greatest gifts that God has given, made available to all human beings in the world that he's made. But it's one of those kinds of gifts that if you receive it, it it, it takes a lot of maintenance. Have you ever had a gift like that? (laughs) It's one that requires a lot of care and a lot of nurturing, even even a lot of personal sacrifice to sustain it. But I'm going to be trying to convince you that this gift is so beautiful And it is so life-enriching that anything you invest in it is really worth it. What I'm going to be talking about, you already know because I read these verses. I want to talk to you about the gift of friendship. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I know that that topic isn't quite as uh, what a, sensational as uh, marriage was when uh, Pastor Jeff talked about it. It's not quite as controversial as when I talked to you three weeks ago about some same-sex issues. But I just want you to know that talking about friendship is, is at least as difficult as it is to talk about those things. That may be hard for you to believe, but it really is. And the reason is this, that the way that the, the Bible talks about friendship is so different from the way we talk about friendship in our world. And, and that includes you and me. I mean, when, when you and I talk about friends in our world, we talk about many, many kinds of friends that we have. And, and it's a good word. Uh, we, we have friends in church or in our small group, and we often have many of them. Uh, but the Bible talks about it in a more specific way. I think this idea about the many friends really has taken on a whole new meaning with the Facebook phenomenon, where, you know, I have thousands of friends. Do some of you know that? But we can just, boom, unfriend those people so so fast with, with, with Facebook. Now, when we use friends in that sort of way, when I think about the, the Facebook friends I have, it's a good thing. I have found through that that I've been able to uh, reestablish some relationships with some of my high school friends and people I really care about, uh, people I pray for. Uh, so so it, uh, the way we usually use friends, that's not bad. It's just that I, I want us to think about 
friendship in the way the Bible does today. Are you going to be with me on this one? It, it's, it might be. See, I'm not a, um, a high school or college uh, uh, young woman, so, so I don't know this so well. But I know that I've often heard that this phrase BFF used, uh, best friend forever. Um, so, uh, and in that, at least, I think that might be closer to the Bible's notion of friendship. Because at least among the many, many uh, relationships and friendships that we can have, we recognize that there might be a few that are going to last longer and that we'll invest more in. The Bible's notion of friendship is more like that, but I think it's even deeper. In fact, when I started studying this, I put together all the verses about friendship that I could find in the book of Proverbs. And as I looked at them all, I could see that some of the things the Bible says about friendship, well, they almost come across to us in our way of thinking as contradicting one another. Like what, you might ask? Like one, the Bible says it's important for us to have friends, but that we can only have a very few. So the way we think about friends, especially with our children, let's get them out in the playground so that they can make lots of friends and everybody's an extrovert. The Bible doesn't talk about that. In fact, it says if you and I try to have too many biblical kinds of friends, we'll come to ruin. Uh, Though if we can do it the right way, you'll have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What else? It tells us that that you and I have to spend time with our friends so that friendship won't be a friendship. On the other side, we dare not spend too much time with our friends or we'll get on their nerves or we'll hurt other relationships. And chapter 25, verse 17 is one place that talks about that. You can see it. What else? This may be the biggest one. Uh, You and I are told in the Bible that if we're going to have friends, we have to learn to encourage our friends and, and to lift them up. But at the same time, we have to be able to confront and correct our friends. Now, as I have been reading a lot of these different things, I I, I went online and I put BFF and then I hit the thing about images and I saw all these posters about friendships. Almost all of them said, a, a friend is a person who never judges you. Almost all of them said that. And yet the Bible will say that sometimes if we're real friends, we have to step in. If we see a friend go in the wrong direction, We've got to make a, a judgment and, and step in. So I, I'm just telling you this. I, I, the way we think of friends is often different from the Bible, so I want you to listen very carefully as I talk to you about friendship today. So I hope you had a good cup of coffee this morning and that you were alert and ready. Interestingly, you know, on vacation over those two weeks, Chris and I went on vacation with a, a friend of ours of over 40 years. He's been my friend for over 42 years. Uh, We met uh, in college, and uh, he's a single guy. Many of you have met him. He plays the piano with Dwayne. He's Jamie Rankin, who's a professor at Princeton University. Can you believe that Chris and I and Jamie vacation together? We've done this many, many times, and we did this for 15 days, and we were able both to deepen that long-standing friendship, but we had a lot of time to talk about it. So as we come together today, I have so many things about friendship I want to say to you. You won't give me the time to say all of it. So I've tried to really home in on it, and I want to talk to you about three parts. Uh, One, according to the Bible, what is a friend? Uh, We aren't going to make much progress unless we nail that down, know what it's talking about when it talks about friendship. Number two, I want to talk to you about being a friend. Sometimes we only get mad because our friends aren't good friends to us. The Bible says it starts with us being a friend to other people. And then third, I I, want to end by thinking about this incredible 
this beautiful thing that Jesus says that he wants to make a friendship with God possible. A friendship, a biblical kind of friendship with God possible. It's amazing to think about. So uh, let's get started. Uh, what is a friend? And the verse that I want to, us to focus on is in chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous, it says, that's people right with God and are seeking God. The righteous choose, that word is very important, the righteous choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, I took all of those verses, I boiled them down, and I tried to think of a definition that I would give you for a biblical friendship, according to Proverbs. I've written this down for you. A biblical friendship, as best I can put it together, is a lasting and intimate relationship like no other relationship in God's creation. It is one knit together by choice. I don't know if that makes sense to you yet, but I hope it will at the end. It's knit together by choice. It's sustained, the only way it can be continued, it's sustained by sacrificial commitment. And it's always characterized by friends serving one another. I've called it mutual service. So we're going to start with that idea that a biblical friendship is always knit together simply by choice. So when you read about a friendship, especially in the Old Testament... The only thing that holds a friend to a friend in this world, that relationship, is that you make a choice to commit yourself to another person as a friend. And that's the issue, that the only thing that holds a friend to a friend is that you've chosen to enter into a friendship relationship, and that distinguishes it from many, many other relationships. Now I say this, and it's important, because so often I hear people say, well, my real friend is my spouse. And I understand that. And I think it's good if our, in our marriages, our marriage relationship has many of the qualities of friendship that the Bible talks about. But, but think about it. Marriage is tied together by more than just a choice. I'll tell you, in a marriage, we're, we're knit together by this vow that we make. Malachi chapter 2, before God himself, I'm a witness of that promise you make to be faithful. So you're knit together by a promise. You're knit together by this sexual act. The two become one flesh, the Bible says. And you're also knit together often by the family relationships that result out of the marriage. So, so you see, a friendship is only knit together by a choice to be a friend. But a marriage relationship is knit together by many other things. What about family? Sometimes I hear people say, you know, as my kids get older, and I've even said this, um, we're becoming more like friends than, than what we used to be. And, and, and once again, I think that happens. But a family relationship is different from a Bible kind of a friendship relationship in that we're tied together by blood ties and all the things that we're responsible for within our families, both biblically and otherwise. Even a friendship is different from many of our work relationships, where often we're tied together in a business relationship, tied together by financial matters and by our career. But a friendship is the kind of relationship that the only thing that ties us together is that we choose to be friends. Jesus understood that, and it's only when you see that, that what he said just before he went to the cross in John chapter 15 when he says, I call you my friends, and it's not because you've chosen me, but I have chosen you. I want you to be my friend. I'm going to come back to this because it's so powerful when you think about the fact that the Son of God himself wants to be your friend and mine in spite of everything that's been in our lives. And under... Anyway, I'll get to that at the end. I wanted to get there too soon. Uh, 
but different uh, from other relationships. It's simply choice that knits us together. And that's why the friends that we choose reflect so much on us. How many times I've had a parent say, well, my, my, my son's a good guy. It's just that he chose a bad friend. And I say, no, the friend that he chose shows what's deep inside of your son. The friends that we chose sh- choose show that we value what we value because the only thing that ties us to that friend is that we've chosen that friend to be our friend. Now, now sometimes we really like that. This very famous quote from Jacques Delol, God gives us our relatives. Thank God we can choose our friends. <laughs> is one that I think many times we can really understand. But I think that if you've gotten what I'm getting at here, and has that been clear? The thing that knits us together is, is, is choice. It might help us to see why we witness so few deepening and lasting friendships in our world. Because we have so many uh, responsibilities, life is so busy, and, and here I want you to see that sometimes we have God-given responsibilities. Uh, like to our, within our marriage and within our church and within our workplace, that, that in a busy life, often it's that friendship that gets squeezed out. Because according to the Bible, there are some relationships that are to have priorities over our friendships, no matter how much we enjoy those friendships. Like what, you ask? Well, the number one priority in any relationship is God first. It, it, it is God first. If, if God is not put first in your life, then that friendship is not going to be guided and empowered by the God who makes healthy relationships possible in this unhealthy world. So, so what happens is, if God has to be first, when you follow Jesus, then you have to put God first in the decisions that you make. And that means that you dare not give up time coming and doing what you're doing now and worshiping God together with the family like the Bible tells you to do and even having personal time with God. Sometimes in a busy life, you'll, you'll have to make a choice. Well, I really spend time with God, or what about this, family, this friendship thing? God first. What's the next priority? Marriage is second when, when God gives to you a marriage. Pastor Jeff spoke about this two weeks ago, but I'm just going to reiterate what he said, that when you make that marriage commitment, your deepest commitment after your relationship to God is that relationship to your spouse. Now, in all the weddings that I've done, I have this one phrase where I'll say, when you get married, you take on a new next of kin. That the marriage relationship has to have a higher priority than even your relationship to your parents or to your children. And one of the things that goes wrong in our marriage relationships is we really give priority sometimes to our children. And then when they leave and go off to college, we don't even know that person that we're married to. And, and so the second priority, and the, and the book of Proverbs underscores this, is within the marriage relationship where God himself is a witness. Family then becomes third. And, and, and the entire book of Proverbs supports this. If you read through the book of Proverbs, it is filled with the God-given obligations we have within our family relationships. Now when you think about that, God first, the marriage when that's there second, uh, family third, then friendship falls underneath those in terms of our priorities. Now, listen to me, and I think you'll, you'll resonate with this. That is not to say that sometimes you don't feel closer to your friend than you do to anyone in your family. Um, 
And in fact, I think it helps you to understand Proverbs 18:24 that sometimes you're going to have a friend who sticks closer to you than a family member. And yet the, the point that I see in the Bible is this, that sometimes there are decisions that we have to make. We can either do this or that. And in those situations, marriage relationships, family relationships, and especially our relationship with God must take right priority over our friendships. I don't know if this is sitting so well. It's, it's getting awfully quiet in here. I, I see that. C.S. Lewis wrote about this in his book, The Four Loves, a, bo- a book that I recommend to you. Um, and he, he talked about this fact that because friendships are a matter uh, of choice, it's also something that we don't have to have to survive. So I, I put up here what he, he wrote. He said, friendship is unnecessary. Now, like, like philosophy. It's like art. Dwayne and Jeremy, it's like music. Um, it has no survival value. In other words, you can survive without it. You can even be a Christian without it. It's just that, that a friendship gives value to survival. And if that's too hard for you to understand, the way I put it is this. You can live as a Christian without friends. It's just that you're not going to live very well. <laughs> Real friendships just deepen and enrich your lives. Now, I, I've got to say a few more words about this, about this matter of especially family having priority over uh, our friendships because I think that's a very sensitive one there is no story in all of history and of all of literature that drives this home more clearly than the friendship of David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 20 I'd encourage you to read those all the way through if you read through 1 Samuel and you come to the end of chapter 17 and you just leave those chapters out altogether and start into chapter 21, you won't miss a thing in the story. It's all about friendship. And I think the reason why God puts it in his word is so that we'll understand something about a friendship and how important this is for the life that God wants us to experience. This is a beautiful friendship. And it starts in chapter 18, verse 1, with a Hebrew description of a friendship that is so powerful we can't even really translate the phrase very well into English. Uh, some of the people in the first service told me the Chinese is much, much better. And I can, I can well imagine that. But here's the phrase, that, the way it's translated. That the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. I, I, that's pretty good. We usually don't use phrases like that. What do we say? Uh, Friendship, two hearts that beat as one. You know, it's that kind of fluffy sort of thing we usually get at in our American culture. So the Bible is talking about a relationship that it's hard to describe, but there is a a bond that comes that, that really I see as being a gift from God. And then those next three chapters describe what it looks like. You see these two men growing in their love of one another, their affection for one another, their ability to communicate to one another, their ability to trust one another. It, it is a beautiful thing to behold. So on one side, you have this wonderful relationship between Jonathan to his friend David, who's going to be the future king. But his father, the family relationship was a mess. And especially to his father, who was the current king, and who, who sensed, somehow knew, that David, Jonathan's friend, was his rival. And what you see in this thing is this beautiful friendship with this, this difficult family relationship. And I'm guessing many of you can relate to this sort of thing. The thing gets to be so bad that, that Saul, the king, out, out, simply out of jealousy, uh, 
told, tells Jonathan that he wants him to have nothing more to do with this David. He threatens David's life. And to show Jonathan that he's serious, he throws a knife in public at Jonathan, his son. Which was an act of shaming him in public. All right. If you're Jonathan, what do you do? You're mad, right? You stomp out and you go to your friend. And that's what Jonathan did. But what he went to his friend to do was to try to figure out a way to bring reconciliation between the family and the friend. And they, they work at it. They plot at it. Jonathan argues to his father about the good qualities of David, but it doesn't work. The hatred becomes worse and worse so that eventually... Have you ever been in one of those situations where you're caught in between two people and that's never going to be reconciled and you're caught in between two people and the only choice that you have is separation? That's where Jonathan was. Can you relate to him? But separation from whom? From his family or from his friend? Jonathan shows us the way. It is at the end of the story in chapter 20. I'll read you just a part of it, beginning of verse 42. Jonathan goes to David. And he says to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. See, this, this is a God-centered friendship. It is a commitment, a choice. We have sworn friendship to one another in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. But then David left. And Jonathan went back to town. He went to his father. Is that what you would have done? Nah, you wouldn't have done that. You know that. You would have gone to your friend. Your father's a crazy man. You'd say, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand friendships. It's all his fault. And yet when we look at Jonathan, you, you just see that there is a parting, but that parting is from his friend. Jonathan went back. Do you, do you just feel this? Jonathan went, went back to town and to his father. And I'll tell you that affected his, his life and his career. In just a few years, he would die in battle with his two brothers and with his father. David, who continued to love him, came and lamented and this is what he said, Saul and Jonathan, Jonathan and Saul, in life they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. Oh, there was a parting. But it was David and Jonathan who were parted. I, do you see how hard this is? I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like this. Jonathan went back to town. And, and as I read this, what the Bible is telling us is that Jonathan is giving us an example of how God would have us to live in an imperfect world where often relationships are brought into conflict. And in this place, his father and his family had to take priority over his friend. That is countercultural to us. It shows us that sometimes following the Lord does, isn't the easiest thing for us. It's not what we would want. But sometimes we have to make decisions simply because God's word tells us to do that. And Jonathan knew that God's law told him, one, to honor his parents. It's in the Ten Commandments. And he knew that scripture tells us that we are united by God to our spouse till death do us part. See, here's the point I'm trying to make. That in making the very big decisions dealing with relationships where often separation has to come, 
Uh, priority has to be given to God first, to marriage second, and to family next. Have you ever had to make a decision like that? I'm sure many of you have. Um, I've tried to think about some specific ones. All right. Um, a daughter brings her boyfriend home. And the father says, I'm going to act like I've never said anything like this. <laughs> You're not going out with that guy again. But the daughter really thinks this is a good guy. And, the, and, and if, if a Christian, um, a, a Christian who, who's, uh, who's following the Lord and has good qualities, what do you do? What do you do? Or you, you develop a friend. And you think, I hope this works out. Maybe, maybe his wife and my wife can also be friends. And so you have a dinner together, the four of you. And the moment they walk out the door, your, your wife says to you, we're never going out with that couple again. I can't stand his wife. What do you do then? I'm just telling you, Jonathan shows you the way. And if you read through the story, you'll see it. He planned. He worked toward reconciliation. He took time to communicate to his father the wonderful qualities of this godly friend of his named David. And I'll tell you, until you've done that, don't despair. Uh, I've lived a long time pastorally. I've looked at these sorts of things and prayed with people about these things. Many times I've seen God bring people together. The story of Jonathan, David, and Saul doesn't always happen. Many times it comes together. Don't give up until you've done that. But if there comes a point in which you have to make a decision... God's priorities are very clear. God first, marriage second, family third, and then a friendship. And then a friendship. You might feel closer to your friend than to the other relationships. But when God-given responsibilities would separate you from that, you have to follow what God has said. And I, I really think that's why uh, we find so few real, lasting, deep friendships in our world because they aren't really healthy and in, in furthering our, our marriages and furthering our families. But I'll tell you this, as, as costly as it, 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 as it is to, have, to give the time that you and I should to our, to our other responsibilities, if we can discipline ourselves and carve out time to develop deep friendships, it is worth it. But you have to learn to be a friend. And so I've got to move there quickly. Oh yeah, very quickly. How to be a friend. I want to talk to you about that for just a moment. So I'll, I'll pick up two verses for you. Again, back to 1824. A person of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks. And there we got it. Who will stick closer to the brother. Even in tough times and in failure. The true friend is going to do that. Or in chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times. Now, because I've had a long-term friendship, or a couple of them like the one I mentioned to you, I have been asked, especially on college campuses and in Christian groups, to come and talk about friendship many times. And it always has resulted in some people thinking, and I'm guessing some of you are doing it now, I wonder who I'd like to have as my friend. I would like such and such to be my friend. And so sometimes this happens. You, you go up to a person and say, after that sermon by the pastor, I really want you uh, to be my friend. Uh, have you ever had that happen? Uh, what do you do with that? Okay. So then the two of you get together and you go there and, and you try to be friends. And it's just really awkward. 
how, how, how do you just be friends with one another? What, what do you do? I, I want to set you free on this thing. Real friendships, the ones that I've observed over many, many years, don't usually start that way. In fact, I can't think of one that's ever started that way. Do you know how friendships almost always start? With shared interests. Shared loves. I even think that those are God-given things so often. Shared interests that bring you into one another's lives because you enjoy doing some things. It can be a lot of things. It can be cars at Cars Night on a Friday night. It can be sports. It can be Delton Abbey even. That you just like. It can be loving to study the Bible. It can be so many things that just brings you into... And so you're doing that together. And then suddenly, boom! I, just, I don't know how to describe it. That, that 1 Samuel 18, one thing sets in. That your soul is knit together to that other person. It's almost impossible to describe. It, it usually comes that you think about like, like this. Um, I didn't know that anybody thought about the world that way. I believe that most of these friendships, because I think of them as a gift from God, are more discovered than they are achieved. But I'll tell you, once you've discovered that, you kind of think, oh, this is going to be easy, and you find out that it isn't. And so that's why I wanted to say, how can you be a friend when you recognize that maybe God is bringing your life together with someone? And do you remember in my definition of friendship, I said... uh, Biblical friendships are knit together by... Anybody remember? Do I have to do the whole sermon all over again? (laughs) Choice. Okay, thank you for you three people. Uh, (laughs) But it's sustained. It is sustained by a sacrificial commitment. And it does take sacrifice, I'm just telling you. And I'll tell you why. I'll come back to it. Life is so full. And life goes by so quickly. I can hardly believe how quickly my life is going by. And I'll tell you, every day of our lives, when we've just done the things we know we should do, you go to school, you, you go to work, you need to get some physical exercise. You get some exercise. You, you fulfilled your family responsibilities as under the Lord, your, your marriage responsibilities if, you, if you're married. You're, you do the things that the pastor asks you to do at church. And maybe you've even found some time for rest and sleep. But when all that's done, you realize that there isn't a whole lot of time left over. How much time do you have to invest in a friendship? Because it's so clear when you read through the book of Proverbs that these relationships are not superficial. They, are not, they, they, they go deep and they take time and they take energy. And I think you begin, when, when you're with me here, you begin to understand the wisdom of Proverbs 18.24 that if you try to have too many friends, you'll come to ruin. Uh, you'll wear yourself out. There'll be expectations that you can't fulfill. It's just impossible to do. We're creatures of time and space. We're limited by time and space. In heaven, we won't be. We are now. So probably we can have at the most three or, or two, or sometimes only one. But, but that's why you've got to make a choice carefully and why our friends reflect the things that are most important to us and who we are. But, but what we have to be for those friendships to grow deeper is to be the kind of friend the Bible talks about. And Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 really drives it home. A friend loves at all times. 
We we do what we think is best for that person that we care about. And to love at all times means sacrificing sometimes the time that we that we find very hard to sacrifice. But I've found that there's no way to maintain a relationship really without, without giving it time. Sometimes the time is just having fun together. But usually it's, it's time of making time to be together when your friend is really hurting. Uh, my, my friend Jamie, from the earliest time on, when our daughter died, he just dropped everything and, and came and was there with us when my father died I'll start crying here father died I mean so that's that's what happens Uh, one of the phrases he so often uses is this the best presence I've written it here because I love it we can give one another our presence of presence I think you can write that down that's not a bible verse but it's nigh unto it Um, Tim Keller the pastor in in, uh, Manhattan also puts this, this part of the sacrifice that we have to make of time and energy. He says that a good friend is this. He always or she always lets you in and never lets you go. Always lets you in. So that even when you're really, really busy and, and maybe even you've sometimes felt somewhat wronged by a friend, when that friend comes and says, I need you, always opens up your life and says, let's start again. And once again, sometimes a friend has to learn to forgive and show mercy and not expect your friend to be perfect because sometimes you've just got to say, we are friends, we pledge friendship to one another, I'm not going to let you go. Always let you in and never let you go. Have you ever made that kind of commitment to anyone? Sacrificial commitment is, is necessary for this kind of biblical friendship. And then the last point I made, so a friendship is knit together by choice, It is sustained by that kind of sacrificial commitment to one another and it's always characterized by mutual service. Friends serve one another to become more of what we should be than we're now being and experiencing in this world because friends influence one another. Not always for the good. That's where that Proverbs 22 text, don't don't hang around, don't make a friend of an angry person, you're going to be like that. Uh, spend time with a wise person, you'll become wise. So for better or for worse, friends really influence one another. But godly friends, the friends that the book of Proverbs calls us to, intentionally are serving one another to become more of what God would have us to be, even to fulfill those relationships that take priority over the friendship. Your friendship will be committed to you that if you're married, he will not undermine your marriage, but will help sustain it and strengthen it. Will not undermine your family but will try to sustain and strengthen your family. And mostly, within a, a Christian relationship, well, well, we are going to walk to become more like God would have us to be than, than because we have a friend who is always iron sharpening iron. Now, side by side, we see those rough areas where we confront. There's always a little bit of friction and there's no good friendship that doesn't occasionally have some sparks in it. But it's always with that goal of serving until we become more of what God has created us to be. Paul talked about that in Romans 1. I want to show you this verse. I love it. He said, I long to see you. Why? So that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's the kind of friend I want you to be to your friend. So I'll ask you this question. What effect do you have on your friends?
Uh, do your friends leave time that they've had with you feeling more inspired to really pursue God? Being more committed to their God-given responsibilities? Being more committed to their church family and, and, and to living for the Lord? I'll tell you, a real friend, I mean, a, a Christ-centered friend has a positive impact upon that friend. Christ-centered friends serve one another in such ways that both become more godly. I long for you to have that kind of friendship. I urge you to pray about that kind of friendship. I pray that you'll have some people in your life who make you love the Lord more, help you to love, if you're married, your spouse more, love your children more, your, your parents more, your church more. When you see that happening, you know you're a friend. You're being a friend, and you have one. Which brings me to the last point. Just the word. I call it the friendship that Jesus offers. I, I don't know how well I've talked about it this my third time through here at Lake Avenue Church, but because I've talked about friendship so often, something almost always happens when I do. I, I find in, in our lives a deep longing for this kind of friendship. I, th I think we're hardwired for it. Do you feel that, a deep longing for this kind of friendship that Proverbs talks about? I think this is something God has made for us. And so we need to go after that. But at the same time, I have to give you a warning. No friendship with another human being is perfect. We let one another down. We long for this kind of perfect friendship where we love at all times, but we can't carry it through, nor can our friend carry it through. And yet we long for it. Where are we going to find it? And this is what makes Jesus' words just before he goes to the cross so powerful. He is going to die so that we can become friends with the only one who can perfectly love, support, and serve. So I want you, with that in mind, with all we've said about friendship in mind, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, verses 14 to 16. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends. I call you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you and you did not choose me. I chose you. In light of that, may I show you again that definition of friendship and think about what Jesus is offering here a biblical friendship is a lasting and intimate relationship like no other it is knit together by a choice it is sustained by sacrificial commitment and characterized by mutual service that's the kind of friendship I don't know if you're new to church this is the kind of friendship that Jesus offers to you and me one in which, in spite of him knowing all the flaws in our lives and in our past, he chooses to want to enter into a relationship with you and me. Can you believe it? Uh, the holy Jesus enters into lives of people full of holes, <laughs> unholy people, and he wants it. He wants an ongoing relationship with you, how much he's willing to enter into a sacrificial commitment to you and me, even to die for us, and then to give us his very spirit, and to walk with us. And that walk will always be characterized by service.
Christians, haven't you noticed that? Over and over again, the way that God serves us. I hope even when you walk into church, it's, it's as if he had a message he wanted to give to you. A song he wanted to give to you. An encouragement he wanted to give to you. He serves and serves and blesses and blesses because he has one goal for you and me. That we will become what we were created to be and he will never give up until we are that. He always lets us in. And he never lets us go. It's that kind of beautiful friendship. It's to that kind of friendship with Jesus himself, that unending friendship with him that Jesus invites you through faith in him. You simply need to acknowledge what has kept you from knowing him, your own sin, and you know that there are things, flaws that need to be forgiven, don't you? You come to him and he will cleanse you. He will cast that sin as far as east is from the west. And he will make an unending commitment to you. And maybe one of the greatest blessings he'll give you is not only his friendship, but the beginning of a human friendship so that you can walk together until his work in you is done. To his glory. Amen. Amen.